The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. We are continuing our Christmas message series today, Home for Christmas, and we are unpacking the implications of John 1:14 and what that means for our homes. You see, we will be in John's gospel today if you want to go ahead and follow along. You see, in John 1:14, this is what it says. It says, "The word became human and made his home among us." Isn't that unbelievable? That truth that the God who created the universe came here to our home. Now, we didn't have to go looking for him. He came here after us. Well, if you've been with us the last two weeks, Pastor Lance did a fantastic job explaining to us about how God created this home for us perfectly. He created a perfect home for us, and in the first few verses of John, we saw how God the Father created this world through the word, through Jesus. Then we promptly broke this perfect home. (laughs) We broke this gift that God gave us through disobedience, through sin, but yet God made a way back home through Jesus. And uh, we are staying in the book of John today. Uh, We will be in John chapter 14. So you can head to John 14 where where John records a very important conversation that Jesus had with his disciples that unpacks right where we left off this conversation about home. So in John 14, one, Jesus says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. You see, it'd be really easy for our hearts to be troubled with this news that God gave us this gift, this home, and that we broke it. No matter how difficult things may be in your home, no matter how crazy things may be in the world around you, no matter how troubling life could be, do not let your hearts be troubled. There is hope, Jesus says. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. And if this were not so, would I have not told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You see, this whole story, this whole thing is about going home. And that's what we're talking about this Christmas, going to the Father's home. But Jesus says, you know the way to where I am going. And like so many of us, Thomas, who's in this conversation, says, no, we don't, Lord, We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And this is where we find ourselves, and this is what we talked about all last week. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way back home. That our Father in heaven wants to be reunited with us without the presence of sin in our true home with him. This is the story of the Bible. This is the story of Christmas. But today, if we have all these things in our mind and we know that Jesus is the way, he is the way home, here is my question for you today. How can we be sure that we're gonna get there? How can we be sure that we are going to make it 
all the way home. Because I think it's pretty obvious that we're not there yet. You know, we have all these promises that we talk about every single week from up front. But how can we have the confidence to know that we are going to make it home? See, it reminds me of uh, one summer day when I was about nine years old. Um, I was at home, it was the summer, no school, and I remember asking my mom if I could ride my bike to my friend's house. And the thing was that this wasn't just like my next door neighbor's house. This was a friend who lived like two neighborhoods over. So this was like a really big ask. I had never had this much freedom before in my life. And she, to my surprise, said, yeah, go ahead. You can go ride over to Peyton's house. And I was like, really? This is amazing. And I got on my bike and and I remember putting my head down and I was going and and I remember making it to my friend's house and I spent all day there, what seemed like playing Super Nintendo for ages and we had fun, we played outside. I think I had some great snacks from his mom and it was amazing and then it was time to go home and I promptly got back on that bike and I remember thinking, all right, I know exactly where I'm going so I'm gonna go this direction. This is the right direction, right? This is the right direction home. And then I got really disoriented. I got really scared and I started getting panicked. And I remember going faster and faster and and riding around the neighborhood. And then at one point, I remember just like bailing off my bike because I was so disoriented. I fell, I scraped my knee on the street. And I remember laying in somebody's yard, looking straight up in the sky thinking, I don't think I'll ever get home. I don't know where I live. (laughs) And beyond that, I know I'm just gonna die out here and what's my mom gonna think? She'll never let me go to my friend's house again if I die. (laughs) I'm crying. I remember praying like, I need help. And I remember, okay, gather yourself, Andrew. And I got on my bike and I started riding around that neighborhood looking for a street that I recognized and I finally did and I made it home and I remember walking into my house hoping my mom was gonna give me this big hug and she just looked at me with this funny face. I'm like bleeding on my knees. My eyes are all red. She's like, what happened to you? She wasn't worried at all about me. How can we make sure we get home. Even if we know there's a place for us, how can we have that confidence? You see, there's this conversation here in John 14 that we cannot miss. And so jump to verse 15 as Jesus continues this same conversation that we have been having. He says this, if you love me, obey my commandments. Obey my commandments. See, for those of us who want to go home to the Father's house, and we want to go to heaven, I wonder what you are hearing when we read these words. I know for me, when I read this, uh, if you love me, obey my commandments, sometimes I hear, well, what about the times when I don't obey your commandments, Lord? Does that mean that I don't love you? Does that mean that maybe I don't get to go home? Can I still go there, Lord, if I'm not perfect, if I don't always show you what I really believe in my heart? And there is this tension, I think, that we all feel if you are a Christian, you know that you love God and you want to obey his commandments, but we know the reality is we don't always 
obey his ways, do we? We just don't live that out. Well, what is the Lord saying? Well, there's a few things that I think we need to understand that we just kind of need to speak out loud about salvation. This thing that we've been talking about, this thing that we explain, that we talk about every single Sunday, that we celebrate when we take the Lord's Supper, that we know for a fact that we can be saved. We know for a fact that we are saved when we place our trust in Jesus in that moment. But also in a very real sense, we are not saved yet. Because the thing that we talk about being saved from, our sins, are still right here all around us. So we are saved very much already, but also not yet. There is an already and a not yet to our salvation because there is a final full salvation that none of us have experienced. And that is what we're talking about. When you get all the way home, that is the salvation that we hope for, that we dream about. And so when we place our trust in Jesus, In that moment, we are saved from the penalty of our sin, and that verdict is final and in stone. That is the promise that we have, but we haven't really achieved it completely. I hope that makes sense to you, that that when we talk about salvation, sometimes we think it's so easy to understand, but even the bedrock of our faith, there are things that kind of mess with our brain a little bit when we think about how we are to understand the nature of this thing that is the most important thing about why we gather and what we talk about, what we sing about. And so that's what makes today so important. How can we have this confidence to know that we are going to get home to the Father? I know I need help. I need help getting there. I don't even know where heaven is. I couldn't point it out on a map. I can't even get home as as a kid on my bike, but this is totally different than that. We need help, and that is exactly what Jesus promises us. He says this, verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He'll never leave you this advocate in the ESV, and we love to read the NLT, it says advocate, but in the ESV it says helper. He'll give you another helper. In the Greek, that word for advocate or helper is paraclete, para, meaning coming alongside, that God is giving you another person to come alongside you to help guide you all the way home. Jesus is sending a personal guide for every single one of you that trust in him. Who is this person? Verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit. This is who we're talking about. The Holy Spirit is your guide. This is who he is. He is an advocate, a helper, the one who comes alongside of us. And Jesus continues and he says, he is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now 
and later will be in you. That is a promise that Jesus says this helper isn't just gonna be near you, he's going to be in you so that you won't lose him, that you will never get lost, that he will guide you home. Even if you don't know the way, the Holy Spirit will take you there. That when we believe in Jesus, we are sealed by this promised Holy Spirit. And this is the point of Jesus' conversation with his disciples that we also need to hear that we need the Holy Spirit to guide us home. That is what we need. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us home. And you might be thinking, well, that's wonderful, that's great. I get it, I need a guide, I need help, you're tracking. One question, who is the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Who is this Holy Spirit? Well, first, this Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus is very clear about this. He, the Father, will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force, something that you can't really understand. The Holy Spirit is a person and that he has a personal relationship with you. He is a person, not a force. The Holy Spirit is not, and we should catch this from how Jesus describes him, he is not the Father. The Holy Spirit is different than the Father, the one who created the world. The Holy Spirit didn't create the world, the Father did. The Holy Spirit is also not Jesus. He didn't die for your sins on the cross, that was Jesus the Son. The Holy Spirit is somebody else. He is a third member of this trinity. But the Holy Spirit is a person that you can have a relationship with. The Holy Spirit is also God himself. And these are the things that we have to understand about God, that the Holy Spirit is a person and that he is fully God. In verse 16, it's one of the many, many great Trinitarian verses where you can see the Trinity working and how they work together. You see the Father is in heaven. Jesus, I will ask the Father... And he's going to give you another advocate. All three are present right there at the same time together. And this uh, trinity that we see, um, we could go on a long rabbit trail about the trinity. And I, I have to restrain myself and my teaching roots to say, okay, we don't need to go on a long rabbit trail. But we do need to understand this if we're going to understand Christmas, if we're going to understand this, that the trinity is something that we need to understand to understand how all of this works. You see, the trinity just simply means try, the prefix try, three things, and unity Trinity, one thing that is three things. That's our best explanation. And that word doesn't appear in the New Testament. This is a word that Christians have come up with to explain and describe how the Bible describes our one God. That this is who God is. He is three in one. That God is one essence. God is one being. Or you could say it this way, God is of one substance or one stuff. God is made up of one set of stuff. That is God. There's one of them. He's one thing, but he's also three equal persons. Whose? 
at the same time. They're not different modes that appear in different points in history. It wasn't God the Father in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament and the Holy Spirit now. No, they're all three present eternally, equally, forever. Those are the things that we know to be true about God. And the Holy Spirit is God. And maybe it's not extremely explicit here, but it is here. Jesus is equating the Holy Spirit with the Father and himself. And when he says he's sending another advocate, that word another is in Greek referring to another of the same exact kind. That there is a spirit that is the same exact kind. Remember the same exact stuff as the Father and the Son, we get the spirit. And that is who the Holy Spirit is. But we need to understand if we're gonna be guided all the way home, what does the Holy Spirit do? And Jesus helps us understand what the Holy Spirit does in this critical conversation because we need to know what the Holy Spirit does. We need to know. So how does he help and what does he do? We'll go back to verse 17. He is the Holy Spirit. He leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives in you. He lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And this verse, verse 18, really stuck out to me as I was reading this conversation that Jesus had with his disciples and I was preparing to think and teach about the Holy Spirit. It's something that I haven't thought about very much. It wasn't a concept that um, I really associated with the Holy Spirit at all, but I think it really is a huge part of what Jesus is saying. In verse 18, I need to get this straight because Jesus says, I will not abandon you as orphans. Is Jesus saying that without the Holy Spirit, we would be orphans? I think that's what he's saying, that there is a connection to home, a connection to what we would be like without the Holy Spirit, an understanding of our nature that we follow if we're not following the guiding and the leading of the Holy Spirit and if you're wondering what this really says here, I can read the Greek for you. Um, I'll give you some English. It says, uh, no, I will not abandon you as orphanos. This is the word, orphans. It's a word that doesn't appear very often in the New Testament, just two times, once here and once in the book of James. And we know that Jesus is using his words very particularly because he always did. He always chooses his words very carefully. But why would he pick this word? Why is he describing us if we're not following the Holy Spirit, if we don't have the Holy Spirit as orphans? An orphan is someone who doesn't have a father or a mother. An orphan is someone who is abandoned, someone who is alone. Thankfully, the way that Jesus is talking, this is a promise, he's saying, you won't be an orphan. I'm not gonna leave you as an orphan because I've given you a guide 
You're not gonna be stranded, lost in the lawn of somebody's yard, looking up in the sky, wondering if you'll ever find your parents again. No, you have a guide home, and his name is the Holy Spirit, and God sent him to us so that we would not be orphans, so that we would always know we have a home and that we're headed that way. That the Father came after us because we were orphans. That's what Christmas is about. He sent his son so that he could bring us into his family as sons and daughters. We are no longer orphans. See, this is exactly what the Holy Spirit does. And I think it's really helpful for us to think about as we understand what the Holy Spirit does in guiding us back home. See, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us home. Because, because we all have orphan hearts. See, we are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. We're prone to leave the one that we love. That that is how we act when we don't have the guide, when we're not paying attention to the guide in our life. Left to ourselves, we demonstrate this orphan heart. Is he an orphan doesn't have direction. An orphan doesn't have protection. An orphan doesn't have much hope. An orphan generally believes that they must do things in order to earn things. They must be a certain way in order to earn relationship. An orphan fears rejection because they have been rejected. An orphan speaks and acts out of that insecurity. And an orphan seeks to earn love and sometimes in inappropriate relationships or maybe from the wrong people. Maybe that desire is right, but it's sought in the wrong places. See, when you think about it, every single person in the scriptures who's a part of this redemption story that isn't Jesus demonstrates the posture of an orphan heart. And I think you and I do as well. We haven't fully moved on from this fear until we finally get all the way home with our Father. See, immediately after this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, Peter, who had all this confidence in his conversations with Jesus, what does he do? He immediately forgets his position in Christ and denies him three times. Go back, Adam and Eve, under the protection of their father. What does Adam do? He forgets how good his father is, how much he loves him, and he stands idly by and participates in bringing sin into the world. Abraham, he didn't trust his father's good plans for him. He had to take him into his own hands, and and he thought he needed to manufacture an heir because this wasn't happening, and so he had a child with Hagar. King David, he was lonely, and he sought love in all the wrong places, leading to devastating consequences for his life and for the kingdom of Israel. What do we see in those decisions? Orphan heart, orphan heart, orphan heart, orphan heart. That is what's coming out. Moses, he was actually an orphan. His mom put him in a basket and sent him down the river. His orphan heart is there. And this is what we do too. 
Not only the main actors in this redemption story, but you and I. And there was something that kind of unlocked even in my heart as I began reading and understanding this in a fresh way, as I'm trying to teach about the Holy Spirit. What is it that I don't understand? Because I see so many Christians struggle with this idea of how am I really guided by the Holy Spirit day in and day out? We know that the Holy Spirit lives here, that he's guiding me, and I want to follow his lead, but how do I discern that? How do I know what it is? But as I kind of even look on my past week, just this past week alone, I can think of five to six conversations, instances in my own heart where I can see this distinction, that I'm leaning towards, like, should I be the orphan heart Andrew or the spiritual, the Holy Spirit guided Andrew? Am I going to rely on the Holy Spirit? I mean, there was a conversation that I had with one of my coworkers here at White River, And I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, I felt the need to prove who I was and and make sure that they knew my role in the organization. Why do I feel like I have to do that? It's my orphan heart. Why? The time where I remember doubting, there was a situation in my personal life where it's like, we didn't get invited to this thing. Like, do people really love me and accept me? Like, what is the deal? Well, that's my orphan heart coming out, a time where I had this passing thought, like, is there really going to be enough at the end of the year uh, after Christmas is all paid for that we're going to have enough to provide? Why would I worry about that? My orphan heart. Even just this morning in conversations, there was somebody that was talking about their week and how they were a teacher, and I was like, wow, what a... What a fantastic week to to lead those kids for the next couple of days right before Christmas. I know this is every teacher's favorite week of the year. And they're like, we have to work till Thursday. And in my head, I almost said this. Well, I have to work till Saturday. Why would I do that? Thankfully, I didn't say that. But why would I do that? It's my orphan heart coming out. Don't do it. It's ugly. It's gross. Why should I do that? But Jesus says this in his own words. He will not abandon us. He did not abandon us as orphans. He sent his spirit into you and I so that we don't have to behave that way anymore. We have a guide all the way home. How does this work? How does the Holy Spirit really work I mean, is the Holy Spirit like this where you just ask your personal digital assistant, hey, can you give me directions to this place and go here? And then, you know, the GPS puts you in and, and, and even though maybe you're okay with directions, you need that GPS and it takes you perfectly to your destination. Because when I have that GPS and I'm following it in the car, I have all the confidence in the world I'm going to make it to my destination exactly when it says I'm going to. Is that how the Holy Spirit works? Well, Jesus helps us understand even a little bit more how he works. Jump ahead to verse 25. Jesus says, I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. See, this is urgent. This is something that we we can put off till next year. Jesus is saying, this is important. I'm telling you this right now. 
Jesus was having this urgent conversation the night before his death, and it's still urgent today. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. See, the Holy Spirit is your personal teacher. He's gonna remind you of the things that we know that Jesus said right here. That is what he's gonna do. That's how he's gonna guide you. He's gonna guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit isn't just you know, a secondary teacher. He is a teacher in his own right. That's what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything and he's gonna remind you of some of the things that I said. So it's almost like the Holy Spirit is, is a more important teacher than even Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit is the one that we need to rely on to illuminate things that are true and help us discern what is false. He's gonna remind us of those things. Verse 27, he says, I am leaving you with a gift. The spirit that I am leaving you is a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. See, the Holy Spirit gives us peace when we need it. We know that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives when there is certain evidence or fruit that show in our life. Maybe you're familiar with them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that the Holy Spirit puts in us that we can feel and experience. And peace is one of these. And I think this is how he works. There was a situation even this week that Katie and I were discussing. There is an opportunity that we had that would really change our schedule looking ahead to the winter and the spring because Katie has stayed home with our kids and, and now there are some opportunities and we're praying through what should we really do? And this is an opportunity. I'm like, I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit. We should follow the direction of the Holy Spirit when we're making a decision. How do we discern? Should we do this or should we not? And we came to this conclusion. Well, let's pray about it. And if we sense peace, if we feel good about this decision, we can know that this is from the Holy Spirit. And he gave us that because the Holy Spirit brings peace. He teaches us, he guides us, he leads us. And he helps us discern all kinds of things. Continue, he says uh, in verse 30, I don't have much more time to talk to you. This is really urgent for Jesus because the ruler of this world approaches and he has no power over me. See, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, you can't help but talk about spiritual things. And Jesus brings this up, that yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but we need to pay attention that there are other spirits. There is a ruler of this world, Satan, that we need to pay attention to as well. But don't be afraid. He has no power over the Lord and that the Holy Spirit will guide us to discern who is speaking and when. You see, we don't have to be afraid of this. And the Holy Spirit will help us discern. See, Satan uses deception. Satan uses a weapon, this orphan heart. He plays on that in your life and in my life. He wants you to feel rejected because he was rejected. 
He wanted a bigger role in heaven, and, and so he rebelled against God, and so God sent him out of heaven. And I've heard it said that that is how Satan feels, that rejection, and that is what he is going after. He wants you to feel rejected, just like he does. But the Lord, the spirit of truth, is here, and he's gonna remind you of truth when we need to hear it. Even though Satan may trick you and play on that orphan heart in your life, to try to convince you that you don't have a place to belong. There aren't people that care for you. But the spirit of truth would remind you today that the church is a place to belong. You can experience community with the body of Christ. The rule of this, of this world might try to uh, convince you that you are all that you could possibly be. You can't get any better. You're gonna continue in the same habits and you can't become anyone better than you already are. But the Holy Spirit is here to remind you today, don't think like an orphan. God has given you his spirit and you can become more and more like his son Jesus each and every day. Maybe you are prone to think of this lie that maybe you haven't been built for anything in this world, that you don't really have a purpose. But the Holy Spirit is sent to remind you that he has given you gifts to use to build his kingdom. See, the Spirit will guide us against these lies. And the Holy Spirit is sent to guide us home because of that orphan heart that we live with and we carry. Because orphans believe they must do to gain relationship. Only then can they be something. If that's how you heard the first uh, verse that we read in, in John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments, if you continue to hear this conditional relationship that God has with you, we might need to think about our orphan hearts today. You see, because we are not orphans, we are sons and daughters. We don't have to perform. We don't have to act a certain way. We have this guide to guide us home. And you may be thinking, well, this doesn't feel very Christmassy. I would say this is exactly what Christmas is all about. Galatians chapter four makes it so clear that this is how it all comes together. Galatians 4, 4 says, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman. That sounds like Christmas. Subject to the law. And God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Christmas is all about us becoming a part of God's family. And we have a seal the promised Holy Spirit that is guiding us home. That we don't have to act like orphans. We don't have to think like orphans any longer. And I encourage you to catch yourself when you start thinking and acting that way. But to lean on the truth that the Holy Spirit provides, that you are a son or a daughter in Christ. 
And that is the hope that we have. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit. That we are not orphans. You've sent us a guide all the way home. May you encourage us and may you help us lean on that Holy Spirit as we are prone to wander. But God, you are a father to the fatherless. You rescue the widows and the orphans. You've rescued us. God, we thank you and praise you today and invite your Holy Spirit to lead us in this moment and for all of our days. In Jesus' name.